Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are. I'm Taylor Mills coming to you live from COB and USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Brian Sarabia. From Where We Are brings you stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. It's Monday, April 11th, 2022. On today's show, a look at the impact of the anti-LGBT bills being passed around the country. We are alienating an entire group of young people who desperately need our affirmation and support and their loved ones and family members, and we're denying them their existence in the classroom. We welcome the new Joseph Medicine Crow Center for International and Public Affairs. And a conversation with Pauline Woodley, who's in the studio now, a member of the Annenberg Media's Equity Board. All, All that, that and more. <laughs> All that and more after these news headlines. From Annenberg Media. I'm Ethan Huang. We united as a nation, even though our people understood that they would be outnumbered tenfold and there would be no way out, just no way out. We fought for our existence and for survival. That was a translation of Ukrainian President Zelensky on CBS's 60 Minutes. With the war raging on, Zelensky warns of an attack from the Russians on the eastern side of the nation this week. Russian forces seem to be intent on capturing the port city of Mariupol, a key area called the heart of this war today by Zelensky. However, due to Russian bombardment, the city is mostly destroyed, with thousands of lives lost in the chaos. Zelensky assures that Ukrainian forces are at the ready as they brace for their seventh week of defending their nation. California public school enrollment continues to drop. State data released today reveals that there has been a decline of more than 110,000 students among K-12 schools. This has been a trend for more than seven years due to lack of affordable housing and shrinking school-aged children population. However, the pandemic greatly disrupted enrollment, as anxiety among families led to a high rate of absenteeism, which led public schools across the state facing a reduction in attendance-based funding. Los Angeles mayoral candidates Karen Bass and Rick Caruso are nearly tied in support among likely voters. In a poll just released by the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies and the LA Times, likely primary voters would give Caruso 24% of the vote and Bass 23%. They would both move to the runoff election on November 8, 2022. Caruso joined the race later than his fellow candidates, but he has caught up after an extensive and expensive advertising campaign. USC filed a lawsuit against two prank YouTubers who were arrested late last month. The two disrupted a classroom lecture on the Holocaust. Ernest Konevsky, also known as Eric Konevsky, and Yogo Bai have filmed prank videos at University Park campus before. They previously interrupted and took over lectures as pranks for their YouTube channel. In this case, Bai posed as a student and Konevsky entered dressed as a member of the Russian Mafia before trying to take money from Bai. The incident caused students to flee the classroom in a panic. The judge issued a restraining order, banning the two men from USC's campus, and the suit furthers to seek unspecified compensatory damages, along with other related costs. Those are some of the top stories in the news. After a long deliberation, USC's former Von Kleischmidt Center, a central building on the main campus, has a new name. Today, USC held a dedication ceremony for the newly named Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow Center for International and Public Affairs. The honoree, Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow, was the last war chief of the Apsaloka or Crow tribe. 
He served in the United States Army in World War II and also received his master's degree at USC in 1939 and an honorary doctorate in 2003. Patrick Warren has the story. The dedication of the Joseph Medicine Crow Center for International and Public Affairs was presented by the family of Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow, USC President Carol Folt, and members of the Native American Student Assembly. The former Von Kleinschmidt Center, located in the heart of campus and home to programs such as international relations, art history, and political science, has officially changed its name following years of student protests in which they said they did not want a building named after a racist and a supporter of eugenics. After a year-long process, a community of faculty, staff, students, and alumni selected Medicine Crow as a person to be honored with his name on the building. Reagan Kirby is a member of the Native American Student Assembly. She says this name change is a significant step towards representation. Being able to see and print something with your identity on it is very, very important. And for like prospective students, having that type of representation that's like concrete on a building can be great as well. However, at the same time, I don't think that our efforts should stop there. Hundreds of students, faculty, and community members attended the outdoor ceremony. The celebration unfolded with performances by the USC marching band, speeches from Joseph Medicine Crow's son, Ron, and President Folt, and also members of the Native American Student Assembly. President Folt spoke after the ceremony about the significance of the name change. This will help people in the building every day. It will help our Native communities every day, our historians, but I think it's going to help everybody feel proud of their university and maybe want to learn a lot more about Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow and our indigenous cultures, you know. In just a few years, USC has made progress in developing resources for Native and indigenous students, says the Native American Student Assembly member, Reagan Kirby. At the time when I was applying to USC, I remember looking up like what programs they had available for Native and indigenous students. Um, I think the most that I saw was like a small club and a Native Studies minor that was like not even put intact. And now the club, of course, has turned into an assembly, NASA. Today marks a special moment for the USC Native community, but Reagan Kirby says there is still work to be done. On behalf of the student body, there needs to be more responsibility in calling out people who are just ignorant to a lot of Native issues and speak out. Now that we have the new Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow Center at USC, one wonders if there are other formerly acceptable people honored here who might also one day have their names removed. For Annenberg Media, I'm Patrick Warren. The Florida Parental Rights and Education Bill bars kindergarten through third grade teachers from addressing sexual orientation or gender identity in the classroom. The bill was signed into law on March 28th. And as Jocelyn Stone reports, it's part of a wave of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation across the United States. For many LGBTQ plus youth, their house is not a home. At school, many are given more of an opportunity to openly be themselves. But legislation like Florida's Parental Rights and Education Bill threatens to take away this second home. Florida's Parental Rights and Education Bill, also dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill by opponents, bans educators in kindergarten through third grade settings from discussing gender identity and sexual orientation. Other states, including Texas, Ohio, Louisiana, Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee have proposed similar legislation. 
Catherine Poe is a policy expert at Equality Ohio. They say these bills try to erase LGBTQ and marginalize people from the classroom. If you're an LGBTQ young person, if you are a family member of an LGBTQ young person, or you simply love someone that's LGBTQ, um, having those identities removed from the classroom can make people feel like they don't exist. Um, we are alienating an entire group of young people who desperately need our affirmation and support and their loved ones and family members, and we are denying them their existence in the classroom, which is really upsetting, um, especially because LGBTQ people are at higher risks for suicide, depression, in Los Angeles, ninth grade teacher Jen Valido believes this bill will have a strong negative impact on younger generations. If the kids are hearing about this bill being passed and the rhetoric around it, it's automatically telling them that anything outside of, you know, straight cisgender is wrong. For Valido, the legislation hits home on two fronts. As a gay woman, she notes how the bill impedes on queer teachers' ability to openly mention their personal lives. And sometimes that honesty allows the students to openly share in return with her. For kids, a lot of times they'll be like, wow, uh, my sister's gay. And like you talking about this has really helped me to just be more accepting of my sister, like kind of feel support. So I would be put in a really tough position if I was like legally not allowed to talk about my relationship with my students. And I feel like that's if you're going to ban that from teachers, then maybe all teachers shouldn't be able to talk about their relationships. And then it gets into like a tricky situation. USC sophomore health and human sciences major Kayla Perrineau says allowing teachers to talk about LGBTQ topics isn't only important to those kids, but also to all younger generations. Um, I feel like teaching them, teaching kids about different communities and like people who, even like for non-queer students, for um, like teaching them about like queer identities is really important just because it fosters like a more welcoming environment and just education of people other than like people who aren't like you, maybe. So far in 2022, there are nearly 325 anti-LGBTQ bills with about 130 bills targeting trans people specifically. Just last week, Alabama House of Reps voted to make it a felony with up to 10-year prison sentence for a doctor to prescribe puberty blockers to anyone under 19. Other than Florida, 19 other states are also looking at implementing anti-LGBTQ school bills. Proponents of these bills say these bills are protecting children, religious freedom, and parental rights. On the other hand, Opponents say they are discriminatory and are more about gaining political status with conservative voters than protecting the LGBTQ community. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jocelyn Stone. In February of 2021, the Annenberg Media Center launched the Equity Board, a student-run group with the goal of helping our newsroom understand how to better report on underrepresented communities throughout education and accountability. Several of our stories today touch on the importance of inclusive language, such as when we cover the no growing number of anti-LGBTQ legislation. Pauline Woodley, an Equity Board member, joins us to discuss their part in the editorial process. Pauline, thank you for being here. 
While researching the bills that we touched on in the last story, uh, we found a potential danger in misgendering sources or using incorrect language, which can actually be really harmful when talking about trans issues. Um, What is something Annenberg Media is doing to avoid these mistakes? Um, Yeah, I think just the existence of the Equity Board in general is kind of Annenberg Media or was Annenberg Media's first step in moving forward and adjusting especially mistakes we've made in the past and mistakes moving forward. Um, And I think another thing is the style guide that um, grad student Stephen Vargas actually penned last year. And it kind of just touches on all of these things. And it's a resource that anybody that walks into Annenberg can use at any point in time. And it kind of lays out just all the correct language, how to really ask people um, what their preferred pronouns are. And uh, um, in terms of like ethnic groups, sexualities, just how people want to present to the world. And I think that listening to sources and making sure that we're accurate in our language and what they want to be referred to as, that's just the most important thing. Um, So the equity board is still relatively new. Um, So what would you say are some challenges you or the team have faced while implementing your mission? Right. Yeah. I mean, we're a pretty small team. There's only three like active members and one Emeritus member of like the equity board in general. And as everybody here knows in the room, this is a pretty large newsroom. And I think that that can kind of be difficult sometimes just because amongst the four of us, we can't, I mean, we're not every marginalized identity. We don't have personal experiences for every marginalized identity. So it's a lot of listening, a lot of learning and uplifting certain voices rather than trying to sort of like take center stage, take center stage and like have all the answers ourselves, you know. Pauline, thank you so much for being here today and for answering those questions. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. That was Pauline Woodley, a member of the Annenberg Media Center Equity Board. Uh, We might have a longer interview with her later up on annenbergmedia.com. Val Diaz and Guillermo Guerrero produced today's show. And we had help from Jason Lopez, Zach Gibbs, and Sofia Peleas. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. I'm Brian Sarabia. And I'm Taylor Mills. Thank you for tuning in. This was a really cool show. I missed you last week. I really did. Yeah, I was unfortunately out sick, but all good now. (laughs) Yeah. Please. You you also, you tested negative, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it was food poisoning. It wasn't COVID. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I am going to go home and I'm actually going to pass the former VKC, which is now Joseph Medicine Crow and Center. So I'm really excited to see it. I'm going to go home and make sure that I'm properly cooking food and making sure I'm eating safe meals. Oh, my gosh. Please, (laughs) please. Well, I am also Taylor. (laughs) I'm Taylor Mills again. From all of us at Intermig Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From From Where Where We We Are. Are.